welcome to another episode of Experiencing Motherhood Single and Black. I am your host, Kim, and I'm so excited that you have decided to tune in and listen. If this is your very first episode, welcome. If you are part of the community here, welcome back. I truly appreciate each and every one of you. If you missed out on last week's episode, I got a chance to talk with Antonise about how we as busy moms can create a skincare routine that takes three to five minutes. And I can honestly say that I have been doing a whole lot better with my skincare regimen and making sure that I actually take those five minutes to do that in the morning and at night. So if you are a mom who feels like you don't have time to take care of your skin, go back and listen to that episode. Your skin will thank you. (laughs) This week on the podcast, I am chatting with Lakeisha. If you've been riding with me since last year, you are probably familiar with Lakeisha. We did a back to school series last August and she talked about dealing with behavior in school. So I really appreciate Lakeisha for sharing her knowledge and insight with us as a licensed professional counselor. And today we are talking all about societal anxiety. I feel like this problem may be more common than I think. So I'll be interested to hear your feedback once you have listened to this episode. Before we hop into the episode, I just wanted to take a brief moment to remind you all about the Single Mom Success Tour. I have partnered with Nikisha Wynn and we are coming to Atlanta and D.C. D.C. in May and Atlanta in June. And we're so excited about meeting you guys and sharing our knowledge and hearing your stories. So for more information, go ahead and head over to singlemomsuccesstour.eventbrite.com. Again, that's singlemomsuccesstour.eventbrite.com. All right, and I'll include the link in the show notes. So without further ado, let's get into today's episode. Hi, Lakeisha. Welcome back to the show. I am so excited (laughs) for you to be here. How are you doing? I am good. I am excited to be back. (laughs) We are glad to have you. I know it's been um, some time, not quite a year, but I think the last time Mm -hmm. we um, got to chat was around August or so for the Back to School series. And yes. Yeah. And so uh, today we're actually tackling this thing called societal anxiety. And so I thought who else can better discuss this than Lakeisha. So again, I am (laughs) glad to have you here. Um, For those of of the listeners that don't know you and they're not familiar, can you just take a moment to um, introduce yourself and let them know who you are? Yes, definitely. So um, like Kim said, I'm Lakeisha Russell. I'm a licensed professional counselor in the state of Wisconsin, where I have a private practice, the Evolving Chair Counseling and Consulting Agency, where I work primarily with children and women who've experienced trauma, depression, anxiety, um, literally all women and children issues, parenting, anything you can think of. 
under those umbrellas. And so I just support them in evolving to the best possible version of themselves. And then I also host a podcast called the Evolventure Podcast that focuses on breaking down the shame and fear um, in the minority community on all things mental wellness. So, yes, that is me. Yes, y'all be sure to go and check out her podcast as well. So, Lakeisha, can you uh, tell everyone what exactly is societal anxiety? Um, Some people may have never heard of it. Right, yeah. And it's something that is so, so common. So, social anxiety is where a person has, like, some kind of intense feelings of self-consciousness or fear of embarrassment that goes way beyond them being like, you know, like, oh, I'm just, I got to warm up to the person. So, that shyness, like we like to say. Um, So, this is where they're, like, ruminating in their head, like, well, I say something, you know, that will cause me to feel embarrassed or what will others think about me, how I look or what I'm doing. Yeah, and and another um, thing that I think is like moms or as parents, um, these women who are suffering with this societal anxiety, they start to avoid kids' birthday parties. They try to find ways that they don't have to attend the play dates, um, and then they don't really want to talk to strangers because they have this fear of being judged and evaluated. So they basically try to exit any type of social situation. And why do you think that they actually struggle with this? Does this stem from childhood? Like what actually causes the onset of this? And um, Kim, that's a great question. I honestly feel like it could be so many things. You know, sometimes anxiety, right? Because we got to think about genetics too. You know, anxiety can be passed down from a parent to a kid or some kind of experience from their childhood that was traumatic. And so when they are being triggered in those bigger settings, it could bring on that um, social anxiety feeling. So it can be like a, a whole gamut of things. But um, again, to, for people to understand that it is, it is common, right? Now, it becomes an issue when it is those instances of you avoiding um, interacting with other people or even avoiding allowing your child to interact in those bigger environments just because of your fear. Because the thing, too, is oftentimes um, me working a lot with children and parents is that, you know, uh, a parent will bring like, oh, you know, my kid has so much anxiety, blah, blah, And so I'm actually working with the kid and I'm like, oh, this doesn't really seem like anxiety. But I'm like, the bigger picture is the parent's own anxiety is being projected onto the child. So, you know, all the parent's fears and worries have kind of been pushed onto the kid. And now the kid has absorbed that and is deflecting that, but it's really the parent stuff. Um, and so I find that is just so common. Um, just with anxiety, period. But social anxiety is definitely one of those more common ones. Oh my gosh, you just said something that I think a lot of people <laughs> need to grasp because, you know, they don't really realize that, you know, their fears and their anxiety can be projected onto their kids. I don't think that they get that. They don't really understand, you know. And so, yeah. like you said, they think that, oh, it's a kid. The kid has this and the kid has that. Mm-hmm. When in reality, they have to take time and check themselves. And so, yeah. I wonder, you know, from this social anxiety, if it's not 
you know, taken care of, then what do you think it can lead to? Because it seems like it could lead to depression, um, isolation, and sometimes even suicide. What do you think, Lakeisha? Yep, and you hit it right on the head, Kim, right? Because when we're not around being able to interact with others, you know, we start to be more withdrawn and isolated, which can cause a depression, right? Because now it's like, ooh, I don't even have an outlet of people that I can talk to or communicate with or interact with. Um, And then, you know, you set more within that mindset of, okay, what am I doing wrong? What's, you know, what's wrong with me? Why am I not good enough? So you're ruminating with those automatic negative thoughts. And now, you know, which can lead to those self-harming behaviors and even suicide. So, yep, definitely, um, if it's not treated, social anxiety is not treated, it can lead to those isolation and depression. And just to, to like, take it a step back, because sometimes I think people um, use anxiety and depression interchangeably. Can you sort of break that down so that they understand the differences between the two? Because I understand from working in the medical staff office that um, these things are separate. Like I was reviewing um, some cases from a psychiatrist and I saw that, you know, on one line it said like moderate case of anxiety and then maybe another line, it was like somebody had, you know, mild depression or severe depression. And so these things are actually different, you know, but like I said, um, Mm -hmm. some people just use them interchangeably. Yeah, nope, that's such a good question. And I think um, to the credit of because, you know, one can kind of slowly shift into the other. Um, So, you know, the biggest difference with depression um, is like, you know, that persistent feeling of being sad or like an empty feeling or feelings of hopelessness or um, you're just more irritable, maybe feelings of worthlessness, um, where you no longer are energetic about maybe like activities that you used to be, you used to enjoy doing, and now you just kind of just want to be withdrawn, and that's where we go into that isolation, right? And so you may be having trouble like sleeping or concentrating, and anxiety may not necessarily get to that point, Mm -hmm. Um, because you might be able to necessarily like turn it off and on because especially with social anxiety, um, working with individuals from children and adults, you know, around family and things like that, people are like, but you know, they're so social. Like, you know, they got the biggest personality in the room, but then in those social settings, that's where you see them kind of like the mouse or like the wallflower, um, that some people may say like that. (laughs) So I hear this all the time. I know we, you know, have single mom chat every week. And one of the things that these moms have discussed is having issues with trust. And so mm. they don't have that sort of desire to meet other moms. It's like, oh, they, they want to build this support system and they want to build community, but they're afraid because they've been hurt so much in the past, whether it's been by their own family members or it's been from people that they've tried to reach out to. Um, how do you think that they can start to deal with that stuff and move forward? Because I think that's one of the biggest issues. Yes, it is. And another great question. Um, Literally, many of the women I work with, like that is the foundation (laughs) of um, why they see me, the lack of trust. And my 
first instinctual question is, do you trust yourself, right? Because mm-hmm. oftentimes That's we project good. it, right, onto like, oh, this person isn't trustworthy. But if we peel back the layers, it's like, okay, so what about this person don't you trust? But it's, it's deeper than that because it's starting with you because you are the one choosing to trust this person. So do you not trust like your decision-making to be able to be like, okay, I'm not going to quote unquote, make another bad decision of trusting the wrong person. You know, have you forgiven yourself? So you can be able to trust people more. So it has to start with them. Like, do you trust yourself? Yeah, that's really good. I think sometimes I'm like, you write people off before you even give them a chance. You don't even, you know, know this person, but yet you're like turning up your nose or saying like, I don't trust anybody. You know, you just have this whole like attitude. And like you said, you haven't even checked yourself and peeled back those layers to see what you're really made of and do you really trust yourself? So I think that goes back to um, doing the work, you know, for yourself internally. Uh, versus Like if you bring your kid to therapy, I mean, you're not bringing yourself to therapy. I think that that may be an issue as well. Yeah, no, and that's such a good point, right? Because when we first are able to trust ourselves and know our intentions, I think we um, see things a little more clear, even like those past situations that might have um, had those experiences of you losing trust in an individual, you can look at the situation to be like, okay, that was that situation, that was that person, that doesn't mean every person similar to this will in the same way. You know, and that's where we fall into those traps, too, of those automatic negative thoughts where we're rehearsing. Um, So one of those thoughts um, we call the overgeneralization. So we're generalizing, right, everybody from a past experience, you know, whether it was, you know, a, a boyfriend, right? And so you start talking to somebody new who may just be like, may say something similar or whatever it may be, and automatically, oh. I can't trust him because X, Y, and Z happened to me before, and he just like this person. But like you said, we quickly write off the person without even really getting to know them just because they might have said something that was similar, but it triggered you to automatically think about the person from the past. Yes. So, Lakeisha, how do you think they can begin to deal with this? Um I don't know if it's serious enough for them to seek therapy or if there's some actual things that they can do at home to get started with dealing with that. Um, Like, you know, I guess maybe calling it unpacking. I'm not sure. Maybe, you know, a better choice of words, but how can they begin to work on that? Yeah. And it's such a good, good question. Again, um, I am a firm believer that everybody can benefit from um, therapy um, and give you that raw unfiltered um, feedback Um, but for those that might be like in limbo like "Mm, I don't really know yet about therapy you know again starting with acknowledging what is it about trust that has you so afraid of trusting this person or reaching out to these people building this tribe building this connection and then I would actually say start doing the work with reframing your mind and so I actually have a, um, a worksheet um, that, you know, the listeners can actually go listen, um, download, um, and it's called Don't Feed the Ant. So oh. it stands for automatic negative thoughts. And so those, and it highlights the nine type of ants that we all have and being able to counteract them. So, you know, if, if 
almost like doing the opposite. Instead of speaking the negative, you'll speak the positive. But again, walking in that daily, because it's not easy, right? When you're so used to rehearsing those. Exactly. And when you're so used to rehearsing that negative thought about that situation, you you have to put in the work twice as much, you know, to, to really flush that negative thought out. And so I would encourage um, the listeners, they can go download that and they can get that on bit.ly slash um, backslash don't feed the ants. Um, then I can definitely send you the link too that you can place in the show notes for the listeners to be able to just click it um, and get that information. And then, I, you know, even if they aren't ready to talk to somebody, having a trusting person who they know will be um, non-judgmental, who who can be objective, and you know, to be like, hey, am I tripping? Like, you know, and and share with them what they're thinking at that moment about why they don't want to trust somebody or what's bringing something up that's triggering to them. And that person can easily be like, yeah, you tripping. You know, because I think of like me and like my friends, you know, now now you got to be careful because sometimes some friends roll with your thoughts and that ain't healthy. (laughs) 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 And, you know, you be like, you know what? I don't even know why I said that. You know, or some of them have you hyped, like, you're right. Like, yes. And it's like, no, you you tripping. Right. Like, you should have told me. You're tripping. Okay. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So having that person who you can, like, deflect that on to be like, hey, I'm thinking this. Like, what are your thoughts on that? And for that person to be real with you and be like, yeah, you know, Kim, you, you tripping. Like, why don't you just give this person a shot? you know, or just take it slow, you know, um, just reach out slowly, things like that. So I would say start with those things first. But again, I definitely an advocate for individuals to seek therapy, especially if it's some deeper rooted things connected to the trust, right? Because then we can be talking about those mommy and daddy issues. You know what I mean? Those things that we can't really see until we are in uh, relationships or friendships and those things start to come out. Yes, that is so good. So talk therapy. And if you're not ready for that, then find someone that you actually can trust and talk to them about. So you're still essentially, you're talking about the issues and you're not just suffering in silence. Because I think that Mm -hmm. is the main thing. It's like, we're afraid to talk about it. Like, it's okay. If you don't feel like you want to go out or you don't feel like, you know, you want to meet this other mom or you know everybody is in in this space of like you know community 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 but you're feeling like no I don't I don't see it that's okay it's okay for you to talk about it you know um it will Mm -hmm. feel uncomfortable please believe you know if that is your struggle it's gonna feel uncomfortable but stop you know hiding it inside and stop like suffering in silence like Lakeisha said Mm -hmm. you can um, find a therapist that will be more than happy to you know, give you some unbiased feedback, which I think is great because, you know, I talked about that's why I wanted to go to therapy and I've finally done it. And so I've encouraged like everybody to do the <laughs> same thing. Like it's so good. Yeah. I don't ever have enough time, but it's okay. Like <laughs> Yes, that is what a lot of the individuals I work with say. They're yeah. like, it's too long. Like, I gotta, I gotta see you again. Our time in between too long. I'm like, that is so funny. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, there's never enough time. 
But anyways, those are some things that, you know, you can start with now to start working on those issues. Now, Lakeisha, I think you mentioned briefly about how, like, the actions of the parents, um, like, they basically fall on the kids. And so um, how Mm -hmm. does social anxiety actually affect the kids? Because I know that if, you know, you have it, then you don't really want to be out and you don't really really want your kid to be out and so they begin to suffer and think like oh maybe mom is not a fun mom you know and so they begin to form right. their opinions about you yeah and now how it can um transpose even to like the outside world you know so you're avoiding going into those big spaces those big events and you you may not necessarily say it but to your kid you know because and that's the thing about kids kids are so intuitive and I think we forget that as parents just like how sensitive like they are their spirits are um they're just so in tune and they pick up on that you know so for them it's like well why don't mom ever want to go out you know um, to these events or take me and we do things out there in the community so then you know you can easily impose that okay the world is bad type of mentality right and so it's like okay well that's not safe for me to do and now um, your baby is now internalizing or your kid is internalizing those emotions and now they're perceiving the world as a bad and not so good place yes yes definitely and so I think um, another thing is that it affects their social development because it's like yeah. you're sort of locking them in the, in this box. I remember, you know, going through school myself and, you know, seeing the kids that would be alone and stuff. And I always wondered and um, never, you know, it never hit me until, you know, now we're having this conversation that those kids were probably sheltered. Like, um, I'm not oh. to say that their parents were all like, you know, suffering with social anxiety, but, you know, you think about some parents that they are just afraid of what the world has to offer and they um, believe that they're protecting their kids by, um, you know, keeping them inside or keeping them away from certain things. And it's really hurting them more than it's helping them. And like I said, sometimes it may not even be social anxiety. It may just be the fact that you're like overprotective. And so I guess that can go yeah. into like a whole nother topic, but you know, it's still, like I said, affecting the child's development. Um, so any other ways that I guess um, it can affect them um, developing Lakeisha? Cause I know like socially, uh, if you're, you know, your kid, they don't really know mm-hmm. how to act in public if, you know, you're not exposing them to different people and different cultures. And they're just like in shock when they go out into the world, you know, you know, just say they graduate high school they've been sheltered this whole time and now they're in college now they're alone and they have to figure out how to go off into this world by themselves but you have not properly trained them yes and so um what it makes me automatically think about is like the stages of development and so eric erickson is a um, psychologist from like you know decades ago um and he created um this thing called the stages of development and one of the stages is um autonomy versus shame and doubt right and so autonomy is you know allowing your child to have that independence right um to do things on their own but when we have those parents who may be those helicopter parents and just really overprotective you know probably based on just their experiences and things of that when we 
are overprotective in helicopter, and we don't allow our kids to develop that autonomy. So as they start to grow and develop and get older, now they, they have those feelings of feeling inadequate or lacking the ability to survive, you know, uh, low self-esteem. That's what we're talking about, those type of things. Wow. Okay. That is very interesting because I didn't even think about the low self-esteem part. Like, you know, like really Mm -hmm. thinking that they are not good enough because maybe nobody talks to them because they are awkwardly social. You know, they're like, they want to be social, Mm -hmm. but they don't really know how. And so they're kind of like, I guess the weird kid in the bunch or, you know, people are yeah. and then they begin to struggle to fit in and then they try to do things that, you know, probably grabs people's attention so that they can talk mm-hmm. to them. And there's just a whole bunch of other issues after that. So I think that foundation yeah. that they get from the parent social anxiety is like really poor. Mm, yeah, and that's such such a good point because I think of a few um, kids that I work with, and two of them in particular, where it's the parents' own stuff that has been projected onto the kid. Um, but the thing about it, they fare off pretty well with their peers, so that's the good thing about it um, is that they don't necessarily have that or display that low self-esteem or like um just the insecurities about their own ability Mm -hmm. um it's just like in certain situations like one um I think of one girl that I have she um was like freaking out about like a um a, a music test she had to take like they had to do something on some kind of instrument and, you know, like, she was just so nervous, like, oh, my gosh, is the whole class going to be watching me? What are they going to be thinking about? You know, but that's understandably so, you know, like, those typical anxiety things. But it was to the point, though, where she was feeling really sick and she didn't want to come to school that day. And so, you know, being able to work through it with her with that. But she is to one where I'm like, it's more of the mom's own anxiety that has been projected onto this girl. And, you know, she's like third grade, you know, so you think like, okay, she has years of those foundational pieces of mom's own stuff being projected onto her. And this is my first, like, I've been working with her for maybe like two months, you know? Mm -hmm. So even in that, I'm just like, okay, still a lot of work that I got to help with Mm -hmm. Um, exactly, you know, because I'm talking about like eight years of stuff, you know, and I've only been um, working with her for two months. (laughs) Um, So even like in those things, you know, just parents being able to deal with their own stuff just to make sure they aren't passing it on. And, you know, and and I know, and you know, too, like, you know, parenting does not come with a manual. Like I wish you did. You know, we all are doing the best that we can from our own experiences. Mm -hmm. And so one thing I definitely encourage all parents is, you know, to to do the work on your stuff so that way it isn't impacting your kids. And what I often say, because I work with the adults who were once kids and they're sitting in my office and we're working through the process of them forgiving their parents for, for the way they were raised. And it was like, you know, your mama and your daddy didn't have no manual. They did the best that they could, you know? So what I tell parents now, do the work. So that way your kid isn't in my office as an adult and we're forgiving you. You know what I mean? So when we're talking about, 
like building generational wealth. Like I think people only focus on the financial aspects, but you want to leave your kids an inheritance of emotional um, healthiness too. Mm -hmm. You know, not just the financial pieces of it. So yeah, look, that's that's my message for. Yes, that's so good. Oh my gosh. Um, I I love that you said that because one of the first questions that um, my therapist asked me whenever I went in, probably my first or second session, she was like, how are you parenting? And I was like, mm, oh, yeah. that was deep. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you said, wait a minute. I w- wasn't ready. <laughs> Because I, you know, I was like, you know how y'all let uh, let us just run our mouths and stuff, and we're talking, uh-huh, we're talking uh-huh. about everybody else. And <laughs> like, how are you panting? And I said, okay. Yeah. And so she had broke down to me how I was simply battling the way that I was panting and the way that I wanted to parent. And so she said, you yeah. know, you you've been dealing with this for a while and it's gonna take some time you know so it's okay you you're doing the best that you can you know she was just reassuring me that a lot of things that I was telling her was okay you know I at least I was trying and so Mm -hmm. anyways for anybody out there who is actually you know having that same battle (laughs) you know I was Mm -hmm. telling her how my grandma she never really like talked to us about issues because you know I was raised by an old school grandma and so she Mm -hmm. didn't really talk about anything she just whooped us if we did something it could be Mm, so simple you know go outside and get you a switch or you know um she gonna get like my great grandma would get the fly slider or you know just whatever they had (laughs) yeah like pop you with it a shoe anything and so Mm -hmm. you know it's like (laughs) she said that we don't want to raise our children with fear you know, that, that's how we were raised. Yeah. And now we are all sitting in therapist chairs trying to work through those issues because, you know, we were afraid to even talk yeah. to them, communicate. Mm. And so I think that's another yeah. issue, you know, like if you sort of have the societal anxiety and you pass it on to your kids and they may not feel mm-hmm. comfortable coming to you to even share any issues that they might have for fear of what you might do or say. So um, it's very important, too, that, you know, like you're doing work, but also learning how to communicate with your kids. I think that is very important. Yes, that is so, so true. So um, with that being said, Lakeisha, do you have any tips on, you know, um, sort of, you know, now we're working through this societal anxiety, but now we need to sort of develop this, you know, support system or um, community of moms that we can go to and that we can talk to. You have any tips for that? And can you talk about the benefits a little bit? Because I don't think a lot of moms understand how important it is to have another mom that you can go to and, you know, talk to because they understand you. I know it's okay. I mean, it's great to have other types of friends, but I think, especially as for single moms, you know, it's really good that we have uh, another single mom to talk to because they're understanding they're going through uh, similar stuff. Now, everybody's stuff will be different, but at least you guys can relate to each other. Yes. And I think you hit it right on the head, Kim, you know, just the benefit of 
of having those shared experiences, somebody that can show that empathy and sympathy um, for what you're going through and vice versa, you know, and being a support to one to another and, you know, sharing your resources with that person and them being able to share their resources with you, you know, um, and, and, and don't get me wrong, you know, I know it is hard, right, developing friendships, especially as adults, for some reason, for us as adults, that seems to be the hardest thing to do. Yes, <laughs> I don't know what you said, but it is tough. <laughs> it is, it is, tough. it is so tough. You know, and I don't know if we're stuck in that mindset of no new friends, you know, or like, oh, I don't want to have to go through this whole process. Or how do you even like reach Approach out to somebody, somebody yeah. to be like, <laughs> <laughs> to be like, hey, you want to be friends? And you know what I, I encourage people to do? Maybe it's, you know, with, with the power of social media, you know, it takes nothing for you to be like, hey, you know, I've been following your stuff. I really love what you're doing. You know, let's stay connected. Maybe starting there with those, you know, more of the simpler things. And if it's somebody within your same city, you know, reaching out with the same way, but then maybe doing like, hey, I would love for us to get together and maybe, you know, have a play date with the kids or something. You know, like I, I'm looking to connect with other moms. Um, who are similar in what I'm doing or experiences. And the funny thing is, it's so much easier than what we think it is. Especially with the power of social media. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I totally agree. It is so easy. So it is. no excuses, they can either not respond to you or they can say no. That's the worst that can happen on what? social media. Um, and if you meet mm-hmm. up with somebody and you don't feel out the vibe, it's okay. Like you don't have to meet with them again. You don't really owe them much of an explanation. You tried it. Um, move on. You know, it's okay. Exactly. <laughs> so um, <laughs> what I wanted to say though is, those moms who, you know, are going through the societal anxiety or feel like their kids may be, um, encourage your kids to participate in some group activities. I know like, um, you know, my daughter, she's in swimming and, you know, of course I, she's just the only kid. And so at home it's just her and I. And so when she goes to swimming, she's around other kids. So I don't know if you you want, want to put your kids into some sort of extracurricular activity. And maybe if you can't afford it right now, you can, you know, take them to the park and just, you know, making sure that they are around other kids that they can talk to um, and, you know, just have fun with, I guess. And then, um, mm-hmm. Lakeisha, I don't know if there are some sort of coping strategies other than, you know, talk therapy that they can sort of develop, I guess, this toolbox um because I know yeah. I was listening to um Rants and Randomness no not Rants and Randomness um Jesus and Jalof and so Yvonne oh, um, and Lovey they were talking about using the, the, a therapist as a, a tool in your toolbox and so I thought about this in the sense of like every single mom needing to have a toolbox and just like they said for them, you know, having a therapist as a tool, maybe, you know, you guys can work on developing a toolbox for you um, of coping strategies that you can use if you are um, sort of going through this whole thing or you're suffering in silence. Begin to figure out what your coping strategies are. And Lakeisha, I don't know if there's something general that everybody can sort of use um, outside of therapy, but if it is, you know, definitely let us know. 
And so that way they can begin to work on that. Yeah, I think just the thing is, the thing about coping strategies, you want to use those things um, that definitely get you into the right, so not to sound too sciencey <laughs> for people. Um, there's the upper part of the brain and the lower part of the brain, you know, and so we definitely want to try and get people more in that um, higher part of the brain because, you know, the lower brain is so like irrational, impulsive. That's where like the anxieties and things like that. And so we have to move into the upper brain um, so we can be more calmer. So listening to your body, though, I tell people often is like the biggest cue, you know, how how is your body feeling like is it beating really fast are you getting hot like what like are you starting to sweat you know when you're in those situations and then what is something you can do instinctually right then and there to help bring you back down you know is it doing like some belly breathing deep breathing um is it counting um is it doing something with your hands to calm down um to soothe you like what is that thing is it um reciting some kind of affirmation um out loud well loud enough for you to hear <laughs> um like what what are those things that can help you calm down instinctually and you know for some people some people may not even know um, but that's where I encourage you to pay attention, to increase your self-awareness and, and, and be more intentional with, okay, let me listen to my body. When I feel like this, what is that thing that helps me to calm down um, and not to be as anxious um, or overwhelmed? So starting there with those things. Yeah, and actually um, in the book club, we're reading Battlefield of the Mind. Well, actually, we finished it up in um, February. And so... Uh, I like that you said pay attention to your body, but I want to also say that pay attention to your thoughts. Um, that's one of the things that uh, she encouraged us to do in the book, Joyce Myers. I don't know if you guys have read it, but it was so good in talking about um, just being aware of what you're thinking about mm-hmm. and learning how to um, talk back to those negative thoughts. And like you were saying earlier in the podcast, uh, you were saying that, you know, it's important for you to sort of, you know, talk back to those thoughts and, you know, replace those negative thoughts with positive thoughts. And it's hard and it requires work and you're not, it's not going to happen mm-hmm. overnight. But the the yeah. more you talk back to those thoughts, um, the, the more you begin to replace, you know, those negative thoughts with positive ones. And you'll have less of them, but you won't ever stop having negative thoughts like you're human right? And it's okay. Um, But as long as you Mm -hmm. understand that, you know, your, your thoughts are simply just that, and you have the power to turn those negative thoughts around. Um, So I think that is so important. And uh, maybe, I don't know if you guys believe in journaling, but maybe that could be like something that could help you cope, like instead of, you know, keeping Mm -hmm. your brain, like actually writing it on paper, if you don't have anybody to talk to at that moment, but you just feel like you got to get it out, you know, Get some pen and paper out yeah. and write that stuff down. Just yes, you know, that like is so said, good. Figuring yeah. out what and how you can, you know, work on your issues. So that's all I have, Lakeisha. Did you have anything else that um, you wanted to share with the moms? Um, one thing that, and I'm trying, I cannot remember who I heard say it, um, but I was listening to, I was listening to a sermon today, and I remember 
the person saying, you know, we can be inspired, but are you committed? And I just think, you know, so people will be inspired, right? Like, oh, you know, I definitely want to change this around with my social anxiety, but are you committed to the journey of getting out of that space? And so for them to know that it's going to take some work, but it's definitely doable. And the benefits of when you um, don't have that social anxiety and you aren't placing that on your kid weighs the journey of you being like, oh, this is taking forever. But just like that destination space when you no longer are battling that social anxiety is like the best feeling. Yes. Oh my gosh. Cause, um, you know, so many moms out there feel alone. They just feel like mm. nobody understands and nobody gets it. And that they are probably the only one in that situation. When in reality, um, there's so many more people out there that are going through the same thing that have been through it and have gotten out of it. And so you can too, like you said, you just have to be committed to actually doing the work and understanding that, like mm-hmm. you said, I'm just repeating it. It takes time. Like nothing good yeah. happens overnight, you know? And I think we just have to um, do a better job of understanding that, especially in today's uh, world where I have, I know a lot of people like to call it like the microwave society where we yeah. want <laughs> results. We want it to happen right away. Oh, I'm going to go and talk to this therapist and they're going to cure all my problems. No, yes. ma'am, that is not how it works. Like what you said earlier, you know, you've been having these thoughts and you've been going through this stuff for eight years and you're just coming to her mm-hmm. on day one thinking like, okay, I'm coming now. I'm about to have this taken care of. No, that is not it. So no. <laughs> just understand that and, um, you know, commit to the journey and you can do it. You yes. can get over it. Um, you'll thank yourself later down the road. Um, and I, I like to think about, you know, what will I look like 10 years from now? Like emotionally, mm-hmm. physically, mentally, you know, all of those things. Um, because when my daughter is in college and she can really understand, or not college, but high school, um, she can really begin to understand like thoughts and, you know, what's really happening. I don't want you know, her to be um, having the same stuff that I had, like, in high school or now as a grown-up, you know, I don't want her to go through all of that stuff, and so that's why I'm making the necessary um, steps to do what I have to do now before she can actually pick up on stuff, and like you said, like, even now at six, she can sense things, but before, you know, it, it gets to a place to where She's like, oh, my mom is this and my mom is that. No, ma'am, we're not. <laughs> no, <laughs> like, let's just work on the stuff right now. And yes. you know, uh, we'll be in a much better place. So I think you guys should commit to doing the same. But that's all I have. Lakeisha, you said that was it. Let everybody know uh, where they can find you and connect with you on social media. And we will get on out of here. Yes. So you guys can um, definitely connect with me on Instagram. Lakeisha LPC, um, L-A-K-I-E-S-H-A-L-P-C on Twitter, Lakeisha LPC on Facebook, Lakeisha Russell. Um, definitely co- connect with me and go to my website, www.theevolvingchair.com. Um, yes. Awesome. Thank you so much, Lakeisha. I really appreciate you taking out the time to chat with me, coming back. 
I will. You are um, so welcome. <laughs> I love coming. Yes, yes. I'll link <laughs> all of your um, information in the show notes and especially that worksheet that you have. I think that's really good. Yeah. So um, ladies yes. will have to go and download that so that you can um, fill it out and work through those answers. So funny. I know I said I was about to go, but I remember this. <laughs> I think from the level of challenge, because we talked about um, mindset and we talked about and so I wonder if they actually remember it. So, oh I yeah I was like oh my gosh but anyways <laughs> that is all I have all right I hope you guys enjoyed this episode as always Lakeisha provides some very insightful information and tips so I'm interested to hear what you thought about this episode let me know you can reach out to me via DM on Instagram. You can leave a review over on Apple Podcasts. If you're listening on SoundCloud, you can drop a comment there. And if you really found it helpful and you think someone else might be able to benefit from it, share this episode via your Insta stories. You can share on Facebook and, or you can simply shoot the link over to one of your mom friends or family members. You can connect with me on Instagram at Single Black Motherhood, like the page on Facebook, Single Black Motherhood, and you can check out the website, singleblackmotherhood.com. I have some tips over there and I'll be adding more this month, so be on the lookout for that. Next week, we are going to hear from a mom who was at the brink of suicide I mean her story is just like wow like you were literally at the point of taking your own life so make sure that you are subscribed so that you never miss an episode thanks again for listening I really appreciate it and I'll talk to you guys in the next episode bye